Moletool is the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Established in 1853, Moletool has grown to become a recognized leader in lubricant technology. Racing teams around the world have trusted Moletool to deliver the endurance and performance needed to compete at the highest level. Even if you're not racing on the track, Moletool's full range of synthetic lubricants will protect your engine against wear and tear of your daily commute. Stop by Universal Imports to purchase Moletool's line of products today. Are you looking to service your import vehicle or even get a new to you import? Then Universal Import is what you're looking for. Try our personalized automobile location service, a surefire way to get you to the perfect car for you. Take advantage of our 11 service space along with a full collision and body shop. And don't forget to ask us about our car care club. Only $49 a year and you get things like a 100 point inspection, $50 off a laser guided alignment, $10 off oil changes, and a free New York State inspection, and more. It really does help you to extend the life of your car. Visit us at 834 Linden Avenue in Penfield, right off 441, or check us out on Facebook or our website at universalimports.com. Universal Imports, everything we do will make it easier for you. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark Fierbacher from Universal Imports for another episode of the Grease and Glamour podcast. I am not even going to name what number episode this is because that's a controversy brewing right there. 20-something. <laughs> 20-something, I guess, is what we're going to call is, it. That is very accurate. For about the next 10 episodes, we're going to call it 20-something. I, yep. I believe we're all 20-something. <laughs> yeah, right. That's our age, too. <laughs> Well, uh, interesting. We tried to do this podcast yesterday. It didn't work out because the uh, the computer was spinning the the beach ball of death at me and would not stop. So I had to reinstall the OS, and now we're back up and running. And uh, it couldn't have happened at a worse time because on this episode, we're actually we have a a guest. We have Gary Palmer from Motul. Uh, motor oils and lubricants and other fine liquids for your car, I suppose, I guess. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. And uh, he's here with us because not only is he, um, uh, I would say, an expert in motor oil and that sort of thing, uh, he's also races cars and has some cool race cars, and so he's definitely a car guy for sure. So Through and through. Better to what? What is better than having a car guy on a car podcast, right? Right on. Exactly. So, um, thank you anyway, for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so, uh, real quick, some housekeeping. Uh, Grease and Glamour podcast is uh, is a extension of Universal Imports. Visit universalimports.com for all of your uh, car needs. Whether you're looking for a car, whether you need service on your existing car, whether you just need advice, you can. Give us a call. You can email us through our website. You can email me, Mark, at universalimports.com. Or Aaron at E-K-N-K-A-I-N at universalimports.com. You could email Jay, but he probably will just <laughs> forward the email <laughs> to just, us. You know what? Absolutely. You could all email me, but I will indeed forward it to somebody else. All right, because, well, you know, when it comes to cars, I'm right on top of things yeah. there. So we don't keep people on the edge of their seats. This podcast we're going to talk about and we're going to – educate people a little bit on motor oil and uh that sort of thing when we you know people take for granted um you know they have to bring their car in for an oil change everybody understands that but do people really understand why and do people understand the seedy underbelly of of the auto industry when it's we don't know what oil to put in is it conventional is it synthetic is it synthetic blend is it uh, crude right out of your backyard? What What is the oil that's going in your car? Um, and when I say see the underbelly, I always think of that when it came to tires because I felt like there was so many misconceptions on on tires. And when, when I talk to customers and they go, oh, well, my tire's supposed to get 70,000 miles on it because that's the, the warranty. And I'm like, well, that's that really means nothing. Those are all just sales pitches. Um, so... People are definitely led to believe one thing through all the advertising that's thrown at them, but there's realities to these things. So whether it's tires, whether it's oil, some of these things that we don't really think about in our 
normal day-to-day. Um, so we're going to sort of crack that open a little bit, talk a little bit about that, and, and try and make heads or tails out of what kind of oil you should be putting in your car. It'll probably be just like every podcast is a slight universal imports advertisement. We'll be throwing a little bit of Motul advertising in there too because Motul is the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Um, but before we get into that, what have you guys been doing since the, uh, besides working here, what have you guys been doing since the last podcast? Um, went up to camp. It was nice and relaxing. Where's you know? camp? Camp is up in the Adirondacks. Beautiful. So camp very Granada. nice. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Mutta. Hello, Fada. <laughs> <laughs> so that and I've been, I'm running uh, the Boilermaker in Utica this weekend. Oh. So it's a 15K, so 9.3 miles. So every, I shouldn't say every year, but every year or every other year I run it. And then halfway through the race, I'm like, I don't know why I decided to run this thing. It's so hot. <laughs> but isn't that the race that everybody runs and then pounds beer afterwards? Yeah. Yep. So it ends at the Saranac Brewery. So everybody meets up there and it's just a huge party afterwards. So it's pretty fun. But I have yet to drink a beer afterwards because usually I'm like, get me out of here. Right. I'm dying right now. <laughs> if I'm going to run that many miles, I'm having a whiskey after. Right. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> More than one. They do this. Right. They do this marathon race over with the Red Wings, and at the end, it's all about eating plates. It's oh. a plate oh. night. Yeah, so crazy. hey, let's run ten miles and yeah. eat a bunch of hamburgers no, and hot dogs you. and mac salad. <laughs> let's see how that works out nope. for you. Well, really, like, what are you thinking? Burn so, it off no. ahead of time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Well, I guess it's better that they're doing it after, after and not yeah. before. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although I think that would be way more interesting. Right. Well, we as a spectator, that would before. be really fun. There'd be lots of bets. Okay, I, uh, I think let's Kevin's going to go down. Let's incorporate bicycles into that, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, they have those, like, donut miles where, like, you, you run a mile, like, you eat a dozen donuts or something like that, oh. and I'm like, how do people do that? That's like, crazy. Physically, it's disgusting. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. oh, there, oh, there goes Karen. She's down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how much are we betting on that? Kevin and Karen, how long is oh. it going to take for them to lose it all? about the guy that won the hot dog eating contest? Oh. Did you see the I, number? Like How 70 many? Seventy-one. Oh my gosh! With buns, it works. I, the, okay, <laughs> the grossest part about a hot dog eating contest is they dip the things in water <laughs> to let them to slide down their gullet Listen, easier. I'm I, sorry, that's I just, can't even watch it. No. See, I it's gross. I could probably eat a lot of hot dogs. My problem would be is the prep I would need for each hot dog. So a little mustard, a little relish, throw some onions on it. it was, yeah. Got some sauerkraut. I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't put any. Take on me those ten things. minutes before I no. eat the first no. one. Yeah, but I need to have no. that on there. I can't have just a hot ah, dog. Substitute for a it. wet roll. There you go. That you're dunking. Yeah. So, That's, in fact, that I think there was a guy who won it for years. It was a pretty thin guy. Most yeah. of the time, and actually, the yeah. one, the one girl, it's the Nathans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they sponsor it. The the one was a, a girl for quite some time. She she won for two or three years in a, in a row, and she was ninety five pounds, dripping wet. I mean, yeah, yeah. How do dip you those hot what? dogs in some Motul motor oil? There you go. Go down really, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't watch those things. That, those are dis- those are just absolutely disgusting displays of. We'll, I think it's only in our country that we do that. By the way, like yeah. I I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you don't go to other countries and like oh yeah let's do well. Summer's in full swing here at Universal, and we are doing our – we've got our front project going, so we've got a whole new paving project out front, all new landscaping. We're getting the front facade all done real nice. So if you're in the Rochester area and you do come by, check out our, our new front end uh, that's years in the making I'm so proud of. I go out there and just stand there and breathe a sigh of relief that it's almost over it's really good it's <laughs> yeah. it's taking shape so yep. gary what um what kinds nice. of things have you been into this uh summer uh well busy with work of course because uh, i'm responsible for the whole northeast of uh of the united states which covers maine to virginia to oh, okay. ohio so uh part of my job is is bulk distribution and in looking for partners to uh to partner with to do that uh, I get to call on shops like I did when I first uh, met you folks, yep. which is always fun. And, uh, you know, with my background and experience, uh, probably my favorite part of the job. Uh, you Potentially, know, no. is it, are we your first client that have asked you to be on a, a podcast that uh, they do? Yeah. Yeah. Right. First nice. for a podcast. And, uh, you know, in my racing days, uh, over time, I've gotten interviewed once in a while. But this is pretty exciting. Actually. Right on. Glad yeah. to have you. <laughs> That's great. I, 
But, uh, yeah, so busy with that. I ran the uh, Champ Car Race at Watkins Glen a few weeks ago. Um, we finished 11th, so not too bad. What car? car? It was an Acura Integra. Okay. Um, pretty underpowered. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get out of fourth gear going down the back. <laughs> Acura uh, Integra, so what year? Oh, God, I don't even know. It's uh, not my car. I, I drove uh, for but, a buddy of mine okay. that uh, has been working on it for years. I can't so. remember when they what, – what what was the last year of the Integra, but it's been a while yeah, now. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's got some miles on yeah. it. It's uh, a pretty new motor in it, but uh, – so, yeah, we held our own in a uh, seven-hour race, so we each got right. a couple of stints, and uh, it was pretty enjoyable. The weather was great, and, of course, it's Watkins Glen, New York, and if you haven't been uh, to the track or the area, uh, you know, upstate New York and the Finger Lakes, as you know, yeah, it's uh, just gorgeous. And a lot of people don't really realize that we have such a nice racetrack not yeah. far away. We do. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you don't need to be living in Daytona to go see some cool races. You can mm-hmm. be in upstate New York and enjoying the wine, enjoy the wine country of the Finger Lakes and yep. racing. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, the IMSA race was there last week. Yep. And uh, so as a, a representative of Motul, since we're a corporate sponsor and title sponsor of the series, uh, I was there and talking to teams. And, oh, that's cool. You know, we sponsor the Motul Pole Award. Um, so everyone wins a pole. You can take a picture with the car and, and some Motul I'd like swag. to get a race car jumpsuit with all of all the advertising on there. I'll Taco buy, Bell, just, Doritos, just Motul. Yeah. I just wear it. You can borrow mine. I just wear I just, I just wear it around. It, and it reminds me of Talladega Nights when uh, – um, well, Will Ferrell, yeah. <laughs> when they're sitting around the table with all the with all the different uh, uh, fast food restaurants. <laughs> so, are you going to wear that outfit while you eat popcorn with chopsticks? Because, yeah. because oh. I'm that's what I'm thinking about here. Like, why in the heck would you ever want to just wear that thing? Yes. But then I thought, well, this is still the same guy that. Yeah, Gary, to- we had a, one of our podcasts. We were talking about just sort of different tips and tricks, and one of the things that I came across was. Go to the movies and eat your popcorn with chopsticks. You'll eat less. Right. And uh, I, I thought it was appealing because if you ever see the seat that I sit in after a movie, there's, like, tons of popcorn. Um <laughs> And so they make fun of me for that too. Yeah. Well, I guess you could wear that. On. I guess you could wear the, you know, jumpsuit. The, the jumpsuit yeah. there, yep. and then. Mm. Who sponsored by Orville Redenbacher, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Any sponsor is a good sponsor. That's right. Say in racing. But what about uh, you, Jay? What's uh, going on in your world? Oh man, uh, nothing really. Just you know, working here, still trying to figure out how to get cars into park and reverse. You know, depending, it's a, it's always a treat every day because you know we work on so many different types of cars and sell so many different types of cars, and everything has got a different type of shifter. You know, key. Some have keys, some have buttons. Some you wave your hand. It's an amazing thing, Gary. I don't even know sometimes. And there are times you look outside. Hey, what what's Jade out there doing? Oh, he's trying to move that car. Yep, twenty minutes later. Hey, does anybody know where the? How do you get this thing in drive? Or Aaron and I the other day, I couldn't get a car into reverse. <laughs> that was a classic. Now I got to be honest. He just it, he just went in circles. I just I went like, in circles. I gotta take pictures. I gotta so take pictures. Go so I'm driving it. And I go. I, I don't know how to get this thing into reverse. I'm trying everything. <laughs> it was a standard shifter, and I'm looking. I'm pushing down. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I come back here. Oh yeah, there's a button up underneath that you pull. I go. We'll, really? we'll make sure to put you in a Ferrari. That really complicate <laughs> matters. Yeah. No, let's not and say we did. <laughs> Let's not say we did. I'll tell so. you, uh, people who know me know that I'm I'm big into nostalgia, and I, I I'm a product of you know I was I was born in the early '70s, but I'm a I'm a a child product of the '80s. I mean, I grew up uh, as a young teen in the '80s and loved that whole '80s vibe, and so my family we got into watching the new season of Stranger Things. Oh yeah, and it, it's so much fun to watch because there's yeah. so many cool '80s references. Uh, some of which are just very hidden, but you just, they uh, have a, they, uh, this whole season takes place like in a mall. A lot of it takes place in a mall and they have all the stores that I remember from when I was a kid. Um, you know, timeout was the arcade that we always hung out. So it's really cool to see that. It's also really cool to see the cars in that show because like the one kid's driving an old BMW seven series, like an 86, seven series. And that was, you know, not to say that these cars aren't cool now, but BMW and a lot of these companies had such distinct looks back then that separated them from every other car. You could see a BMW coming a mile away, whereas now they're still great-looking cars, but there are also a lot of other great-looking cars, so sometimes they they lose a little bit of their identity, mm-hmm. whereas back then they just had such that the four headlights, the 
they just had such an identity and so it's really cool to see those old cars in in that show um it just brings me back it just makes me want to go right back to like 1984 did you watch the whole season? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's not hard to do, right? I yeah. Too. yeah. There's only like, like eight episodes. Eight episodes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now we got to wait another two years. I know. Yeah. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I say season three was the best season so far. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I three, one, and two. Yeah. I I gotta say I'm I'm with you on that. I think three was great. I think the development of the characters and some new characters and things like that. And yeah. I mean, I'm not even worried about giving out spoilers because, quite honestly, it's only eight episodes, and if you like the show, yeah. you're done in a day. Yeah, I think right. it was like I mean, the most watched. <laughs> yeah. yeah, season. Uh, but yeah. did you know that that Robin was? Well, I shouldn't say was. Is Ethan Hawke and uh, Uma Thurman's daughter? I just, yeah, I just, I just uh, my wife told me day. that. Yep. Yeah, and, and so did we. We were like, well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she was great. Yeah, she, she she was great. Gary, you watch any of that stuff? Yeah, we uh, we're watching. Uh, I think it's True Detective now. Oh yeah, um, I saw one. I saw one season of and uh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, uh, that, that's interesting. Now we're um, watching Big Little Lies. I oh. guess, yep. again. Yeah, my my yep. daughters both watch that. Um, Game of Thrones. Uh, oh yeah, we we finished that off. I think finally. my wife cried um, the on the finale of Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah. that it was. Still over. have never seen one episode. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's and I'm surprised because you're a sci-fi. Yeah, guy. No. Yeah. one episode. That's yeah. all. I'm I waiting. I'm waiting. Because then I'll be able to binge it. Then you'll yeah. be like, oh, hey, what, what's Jay <laughs> right. doing tonight? Oh, well, first he's doing Tavern Tuesday, and now he's going on to. And Why now is he's going Jamie on to... coming into work dressed like a knight? He's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to wear fur. I'm just going to wear, like, fur. That's what I look I look at. That's it. I'm going to have a new look. People are like, oh, man. <laughs> okay, I won't just wear fur. Bob. Yeah, so we, uh, we, we take in some of those as well. Good. Mostly after my daughters watch them and uh, call us up and say, you should try you gotta, this. You should try, try this out. Yeah, yeah I do that say, with okay. my mom, too. Yeah. Sure enough, usually they're right. Which, uh, yeah. So, good. there, now we got the glamour part out of the way. Let's talk about the grease part of grease and glamour. And uh, this is a perfect uh, perfect segue into yeah. talking about oil. That's the grease part of this, this podcast. So, motor oil. I did a little research, and you know what I found was very interesting? And you know how they always say history repeats itself and all of this stuff? You know what I found very interesting? The very first cars, I mean, aside from there were some cars that were steam, after those, the very first cars were electric cars. And the reason they didn't make it was because of their range. They didn't have enough range. Mm -hmm. And that's Hmm. where they had to turn, that's where they had to find other alternatives. They looked at fossil fuels. They looked at that's where the gasoline engine came into play. Mm-hmm. But here we are doing the same thing again. We're back yeah. to electric cars as possibly the key to the future. Mm-hmm. But what's our number one problem with electric cars right now? Range. Range. <laughs> <laughs> so back then it might have been only ten miles. Uh, now it's uh, you know uh, now it's couple right yeah. couple hundred. But it's still. I mean, we live in a world now where a couple hundred miles is nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've had a couple Teslas uh, come to, you know, I teach uh, competition driving as well and come to the uh, either the Porsche Club or BMW events and, uh, you know, about six laps in, they start to run out of power because so, <laughs> yeah. you're under full power for most of the time. So yeah. you get, you got to get them back to, and uh, get them charged. And obviously at Watkins Glen, there's no, no charging up at the tracks. So, right. Yep. So it's still an interesting dynamic for <laughs> I just had this visual that, image like, a, you know, oh, wait, they got you know, oh. There's pit row over there. What are they doing? They got to plug in for 22 right. minutes <laughs> so they can go another. This mile. guy's in the lead. Oh, <laughs> he's got to go. Oh, man, he's done. He's, he's done. He or so, she is done. Yeah. Yep. So that's why I just had this image. Like <laughs> the Formula E series is coming on, and you know they they've obviously you know right. advanced the technology quite a bit. And there's a Jaguar series now that's electric. So y- you'll see, I think, over the next you know five to ten years, uh, 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 you know, a higher degree of of electric car racing. Uh, I, I'm fairly certain today. that as a as a new world order, we have decided to hang our hat on electric cars for the future. I mean, it it seems like every car brand has pretty much now decided this is where they're going to go. Whereas ten years ago, there were a lot of the European car brands were still trying to push a little more for diesel technology. You know, the ethanol stuff. That I mean, there were a whole bunch of different things they were trying at 
was there like nitrogen? Not I don't know. Like not. Oh, what was that one? And they only had one place you could get it. Somewhere's in Canada. What was we, we talked yeah, about we that? Yeah, we talked about it? that a while ago. Yeah, yeah I mean they've there, there's been different things, but I think I think at this point hydrogen. everybody is sort of it was hydrogen. Yes. Hydrogen, yes. Yeah. yeah, hydrogen powered. Yeah, this uh, coming from the guy that knows nothing, nothing about, about cars. cars <laughs> I'm saying I actually the one who comes up with the answer. You can get nitrogen <laughs> tire inflation here at Universal <laughs> Imports. Uh, we do still offer that. <laughs> it is still sort of a thing. Um, yeah, so. It, it just, you know, I think that we're we're in that same boat right now. Electric technology is there. How do we increase the range? Is it ultimately really better for the environment? Because one could argue, I mean, these batteries are probably not great for the environment. And how long right. will they last and all of that? So all that stuff remains to be seen. It's going to be very interesting what the next five years holds for, for the auto industry when it comes to electric cars. Um, but right now... Probably 90% of the cars out there are still, or more, are still gas-powered cars. They still require oil. They still require require proper oil changes, and that's what we're here to talk about. So, Gary, can you give us a little bit of an insight as to the different oils that are out there and what people need to be looking out for? Because we also live in a world where people are bombarded with, you, know, you can go to this place for, uh, you buy a car there and get a free oil change, or... Um, you can get an oil change at this place for $19, but at this other place, it's $99. Mm-hmm. What are the differences? So, the, you know, the basic difference is you have your conventional oils and your synthetics. Okay, so there's uh, um, quite a bit of difference in those products and how they're formulated, um, how they're created from scratch. Um, and the reason for synthetics over the years is to, because the, the, the car companies are all building, uh, you know, different kinds of, drivetrains and, and engines uh, with different tolerances and so therefore need uh, longer drain intervals and, and, and these kinds of things. So so conventionals for the most part are you know on the way out. Um, right and we could probably say that conventional oil is the equivalent of saying uh, organic vegetables. It's uh, yeah. crude oil that's obviously refined in a refinery and it's what came out of the ground produced by old plants and animal bones and everything else and that's what conventional oil is right so it's it's uh it's it's pretty rare these days to find anybody um putting conventional oil in in their vehicles in any vehicle Uh, yeah yeah i mean some of the older um you know um cars like you know old vets and and mustangs and and those sort of things are still using mineral um, because synthetics weren't around then and so the, the products weren't designed and motors weren't designed for them. So, so there, you, we, there's still some usage of conventional for those types of applications, but certainly new cars coming out of manufacturers, um, you know, in the last X amount of years, right? They're all synthetic it's at all this synthetic. point. If yeah. you look in the owner's manuals of your cars, you'll see synthetic this, synthetic that. Um, you'll never see a, a conventional, now it even drills, as a substitute. Now it, now, now it gets more complicated so aside from just having conventional and synthetic now you have things like so uh this is a problem for us as service uh, people in the service industry is that there was once upon a time 10 years ago where we were telling people because the oil companies were telling us this don't ever put conventional oil in a car that's already had synthetic in it or vice versa like you gotta stick with what the car came with and if you do it God knows what will happen. The end of the world will come and <laughs> all of this stuff. And so those were, you know, early on, I don't think that they were quite sure as to how to treat that. Now, anything goes, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, people switch back and forth uh, without issue. It's not an issue. Like I said, if it's a 1964 Corvette, you know, based on lifters and things like that, you probably want a mineral still in it because that's how the product was Designed. designed and built okay um but but certainly you can you can switch back and forth today no one's doing that once they switch to synthetic uh, they people stay. are staying with it yep uh, there's you know you don't have to flush the engine or do anything uh special to do that so with the advent of synthetics uh you know that that's where it gets interesting certainly uh in where motul plays obviously um we don't make a conventional oil um we we actually i shouldn't say that exactly we do have a break-in oil that's mineral based because that's typically what you break a new motor in with okay um you don't typically use synthetics uh when you build a new motor and then break it in um and we do have some classic 
products that we call them for the older cars like an older vet or mustang or etc that might need a higher weight like a 2050 but is mineral based okay, okay. so we still uh, cater to that part of the market because we have the technology to build those products and, and manufacture so and and those are actually very good selling products so when you guys have an older portion for service uh that requires an older mineral oil yep. um our 2050 classic would be something that you certainly and, have on the shelves and, and, for and people, would put in into those kinds of cars. And for people who don't really understand, because uh, it is also daunting when you look at a bunch of motor oils and you see, you know, 5W30 and 10W40 and you see all these numbers, what do they actually mean? And from what my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the the number on the, uh, the, the first number before the W is your uh, cold is is the number that they measure the the viscosity of the oil cold at a certain degree i forget the the temperatures but 100 degrees celsius i believe that's for yeah. hot right for hot for yeah. hot okay. so that would be the number on the on the back side of the w 42 i think celsius for cold i think so I here's think a question i'm not sure if you know yeah. the answer to it but i always thought the w stood for weight but it actually is for winter so I always thought it was I always thought the W was for weight. Right. It was the weight mm. oil because it you often hear that. You know, what weight oil are you putting in? So my brain went to okay, yeah. that W means yeah. weight, but that W actually the five W means five winter. And then the number behind it is the the how how quickly the oil thins at a high at hot temperatures. Right. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Right. So, um, so, so that's what you're looking at. So, essentially, the lower the number in the front, uh, the less thick it is when it's cold. Right, which is good for startup because right. you don't have any lubrication yet. And right? it's great you if you live in Rochester <laughs> in the middle of February. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Which it, and, and so the reason some people will go with thicker weight oils, because they make some pretty thick weight oils, you might have an older car that's burning a lot of oil, mm -hmm. and sometimes your first line of defense before spending thousands on uh, replacing your piston rings or pistons or, or something like that is to try a thicker weight oil to see if that might slow down the rate in which it burns, correct? Correct, and also some require uh, cars require uh, a thicker weight oil. Like yeah, a, yeah a some BMW require BMW right. M3, M3 requires a 1060. Yeah. Right. Because right. they typically run hot, uh, hotter than most, and, and therefore uh, require thicker oil. Um, we have racing oil products that are 60 weight as well. So. Okay. And just before we get into even more nitty gritty about oil, uh, I'll just, just you know, Mark's quick, quick thing, right? They always okay. Laugh at this There's never a quick thing. My quick things are never quick, but this will be quick. <laughs> Basically, you your oil is sitting in your oil pan, Okay. When the, when the engine started, oil goes up through a tube. It goes through the oil filter. It gets cleaned out of any contaminants that might be in even the new oil. And then it goes through all these little ports in the engine, and it delivers the oil to all these things. Now, you got to imagine your, your engine is, you know, everything in your engine is going very quickly. So when you see your RPM, your tachometer on your car, and it says, 5,000 revol, you know, RPM, that's 5,000 revolutions per minute. That's how many times the engine is making a, its, you know, its movement in one minute. So all that oil is the only thing that's keeping all the metal from touching one another. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why all these engines are designed slightly differently. The, obviously, a lot of the import cars are more higher performance. They're, they are... Uh, a lot of power in a smaller box. So whereas you go to the the old American muscle cars, big, huge engines, huge blocks, the European cars have always been a little bit more like, let's see how much power we get out of a smaller box. Uh, the smaller the box, the tighter everything is, so therefore you need different types of oils to lubricate it. And so the oil is really the only, it's like a like a coating over everything so that the metal's not touching the metal to where you create that friction and cause an overheating problem. Mm -hmm. Correct. And, and I hope I'm correct. In that. Yeah. You'll, you'll yeah. correct so, me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> and it's, you know, Motul has weights as, you know, of course, as low as zero um, for the, the temperature range, yep. of course. And then also some manufacturers for 
um, you know, to pass EPA um, because you have to meet a certain mileage requirement in your fleets. Um, so they need thinner oils um, to, to, to have less friction um, but need the protection yet um, so they can meet those EPA requirements. So you find a lot of the newer cars, um, certainly that not cars that you're doing track events with or racing with, that will require a 020, either hybrid cars or some even some of the newer uh, Audis uh, will require a 020 and so on and so forth. So here's what's frustrating uh, for people in the service business that are selling full synthetic oils like Motul. So we decided to go with Motul, and it was not just because you were a nice guy when you came in here, and uh, although I'm sure that helped. But <laughs> the thing I love the most about going with Motul is it is really one of, if not the only, synthetic oil that is 100% synthetic. And so, the, and what synthetic oil means? So, as if conventional oil is the stuff pretty much right out of the ground, r refined, and then put in your engine, synthetic oil is that plus different things uh, that they mix with it that help it last longer. That is why, with a conventional oil change, you have to do an oil change every like three thousand miles. With a synthetic, on some cars, you can go as much as ten. I'm not sure I've I'm really a big uh, advocate of what some of the owner's manuals say when they say you can go 10 or 15,000 miles between oil changes. Right. I would still recommend people do it like every 7 or 75. Would you yeah. agree with that, Gary? Yeah. In most yeah. cases. Um, you know, it's the lifeblood of your of your car. Um, you could probably you never do too many oil changes, but no, it's a cost no, it's, factor, it's, obviously. Right. It's peace of mind, and, and I think, uh, you know, the oil change intervals are quite high these days. Um, some of them actually come down uh, over the last few years yeah. uh, for, for reasons. Uh, some manufacturers have had issues with engines. Subaru, I know, has had um, yep. some issues, uh, maybe not all related to oil and, and well, lubrication. And the, reason, but and the reason for that is a lot of these car companies to sell the car they have to sell the fact that this car doesn't require a lot of service so these salespeople can boast to you and say hey you don't even need to come in until 12 months from now for your first oil changes and they go wow this is great mm -hmm. um but it's really not right in my opinion <laughs> and it's not just with oil right it's with tune-ups it's with all that stuff that they're trying to tell people they don't need it yeah yeah and it's uh so i I think, uh, you know, for us, it's uh, we meet all the approvals that uh, the manufacturers have. That's yep. that's one thing about Motul that we have that uh, others do not. Um, we, we, we test to all the manufacturer standards. If you look at some of our documentation, um, it, it, it touts some funny-looking numbers like an A40 spec, which is Porsche, or an MB something-something Mercedes-Benz. LL01 is, is BMW. We don't make those numbers up. Those are all specifications that if you were to look in your owner's manual, you would find in the back. So yeah. when you come to Universal, um, for sure you're going to be getting an LL1 uh, spec oil right. uh, in your BMW because our product meets that. So we, we spend an exorbitant amount of time in engineering and testing, and so do the manufacturers, to get those approvals. Okay, And it's not just because they like the looks of our bottle. They take our product, they put it in bench test engines, run them, and then do all sorts of testing um, with rings and pistons and, and all sorts of things that they test to approve it. So they can say, along with their OE oil, whether it's you know a BMW OE oil or whatever, um, this particular oil meets the spec, okay? And we have all those letters from uh, the manufacturers. Uh, you guys have access to them if you need them, if your customers ever want to see them. That says, okay, for, uh, you know, BMW's LL1 FE spec, uh, you know, Motul is, a, is an approved oil. Right. So we spend a lot of R&D doing that. We spend a lot of time creating special oils. The Audi, in particular, the newer Audis need a, a 020, um, that's a, a particular oil and has to be approved by, by Audi. We're, so we're when one you of the say only that's ones. what it needs, but Correct. if you go to, and it doesn't even just have to be the quick oil change places, you can go to any place and they say, hey, we have this special oil change price, and it sounds like, wow, that's great. I just went to the Audi dealer, and they quoted me $120 for an oil change, but right. there's this place down the street, and they're going to do mm -hmm. it for $40. Right. 
well, what most likely are you getting for $40? Well, you're probably not getting uh, fully conventional oil. That would be, that wouldn't be right. Right. But you could be getting what now they call a synthetic blend. Right. So that's half and half kind of, right? Right. It could be a blend or sometimes they're called fit for use. Um, they won't have all the manufacturer's approvals. Um for starters, and, and they won't be 100% synthetic. So what we have that other oil companies do not is 100% synthetic product. So what that means is there's no mineral in the product, okay? So a, a full synthetic, if you look at a bottle of oil on, at Pet Boys or AutoZone on the counter uh, or in the, in the rack, you will see full or fully synthetic on the product. Ours says 100%. The products that say full or fully synthetic have some component of mineral added in during manufacture. Okay. And the problem with that is the the standards in the U.S. for sure are very lax in how much that can be. To the point where some of the products that you can get in the U.S. would be in a different color bottle than what would be uh, uh, purchased in Europe because it's a different product. So if you took that same product from the U.S. and sent it to Europe for testing where the standards are very stringent, uh, it would probably fail and need reformulation. See, this is the same our product doesn't do that. And our that's product the same is... frustration I have when it comes to tires. Right. You know, uh, people go, well, I can buy this Michelin at a big box store. Well, you know, they have tiers of, uh, it might be the same model number. They have different runs of those tires. They have the the uh, the A stock, which is like the, the tires that they've decided are perfect guess where they go first they go right to the manufacturer of the car that's what gets put on the car when it's brand new in the factory then the second level stock is the ones that go to the the um like either the distributors that are selling whatever it is if it's michelin or goodyear or continental or whatever brand you want to say mm -hmm. um but then when it, you drill down to c stock and <laughs> d stock you can start getting into some of you know sometimes well, it's like televisions it's you know there's some that are made specifically for them for, for, for the retailer mm -hmm. you know so there's a certain version so if you want a certain tv and let's say you're going to bj's you know sony or samsung or somebody could well, be creating one the, just specifically for the, the for, for uh, those stores yeah. the black friday tvs oh, yeah. are <laughs> not the normal model tv that exactly. they that anybody in any of those no, stores would tell yeah. you that it's missing the usb ports get. and yeah. so, so i gotta think oil and tires and stuff yeah so it's gotta it's, be you know so it's right there's a lot of and, I, and I, maybe deception's a harsh word but there's just like you have to do your research with everything that you you buy because so I'm guessing that in a parts store you could find oil that says full or fully synthetic you can find a, a Motul product that says 100% synthetic right. you can find blend which is probably on the other end of that spectrum which is clearly it, it says it right on the box that it's a not fully synthetic it's a blend of conventional and synthetic yeah. and now. This is where I have Jay and Aaron gasp after I say this. There are even places that will sell you recycled oil. Right. Really? Yes. Where's the gasp? Oh. <gasps> yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> there are places that are that are actually selling you recycled oil. Without yeah. without you knowing it or Oh, that I don't know. It? Oh, um okay. I'm it, guessing that they're probably not heavily marketing the fact that that's what they do. But no, so as you know, again, as an educated consumer, um, that's where it's it makes sense to look in your owner's manual and make sure when you go into a shop and say, um, you know, I want it's my BMW. I'm bringing in for an oil change, and I know for sure it requires an LL01 or LL1 FE uh, right. uh, spec product. You mean and nobody's and going in and going, hey, can I have some I of that used motor oil? <laughs> so because to Mark's point, there are you know there are companies that and the filters are also we we can decide to buy very cheap uh, filters for your cars, or we can go and get the European filters that are double the money, but that's the right oil filter because if you you could put the best oil in the world in it, if you have a crummy filter on it, then you've you've wasted money. Yeah. So it all it. it to Gary's point, um, you have to ask. 
you know, and it, and, and I think that that's a legitimate question that I would expect any customer to ask. And I, and I'm thankful that I'm ready with a great answer that this is what we use in your car. In fact, one another, another selling point for us with Motul was, uh, Gary came in here with all these brochures. One had an Audi on it. One had a BMW, one had a Porsche, one had a Mercedes. And this motor oil is designed for the type of stuff that we deal with here at Universal Imports. But in general, this whole conversation does not just pertain to high-end European cars. It really pertains to all cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure does. And, and we have and meet specifications, certainly on the Euro side, um, more than anyone, if you look at our brochures and our, our specifications that we meet, um, but also on the Asian side and, and domestic as well. So you've got Dexos compliance you need uh, on domestic side. Um, you know, Ford has their own. Uh, testing in, in, in specs that you need to meet, uh, 9645A comes to mind, uh, you know, Chrysler, MS, so-and-so and so-and-so. So, again, those manufacturers have taken our oil, tested it, and blessed it as, as good at or better as their their own OE fluids. Yeah. Um, and, and it also, um, for all of our, our products, uh, all of them meet warranty specs. So if your car is still under warranty, it doesn't mean you have to take it to the dealer to get an oil change. You can come to Universal and get an oil change and, and have satisfaction knowing that the Multool products that Universal is using is meeting all warranty requirements as well, which so, is part of the, the spec and approval that you get from the manufacturer. How does a company like Motul, um, and you may not know the answer to this, but how does a company – company like Motul, just like a company like Universal Imports, prepare for the future of electric cars, which are not going to use motor oil, um, which are not going to use gasoline. Um, There are still going to be some fluids that those cars need to use, which potentially Motul has a hand in. But how do you prepare for that? Yeah, it's it's certainly a a concern for for anyone uh, um, like Motul in in the business, of course. and you know maybe even more so for more so for Motul because uh, you know it's really the only thing we do right is, is lubricants right we're not a big oil company like Mobil or Exxon or that are into uh, you know various different types of, of lubricants and in, in different industries right so we we have a, a good R&D team that's that's looked at some of the uh, the electric um, uh, consumables like batteries and so forth yep. that uh, you know and I can't say a ton about it but uh, but look, that's a big thing into, right yeah looking into uh, you know how we can manufacture those and partner with folks and um, and that's and, something and, that we'd be interested in because I actually uh, one of the things that Universal Imports is preparing for is the eventuality of that now yeah. the good news is is I think that there will not be this 100% takeover of electric cars. I think there's always going to be a market for the gasoline combustion engine that we have, or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there, there, there's still going to be a lot of people that want to go that route. I'm, I'm reading a lot of articles to, to determine whether or not the hybrid car is really going to have a place. Like is the electric car going to be so big that it's either going to be all or nothing. You're either going to go all in electric or you're going to go all in gas. Right. And the hybrid's going to be left in the dust. Or is the hybrid still going to offer a happy medium for people going, well, hey, this way I can lower my carbon footprint but still have uh, – not worry about a 300-mile range and be able to get to where I need to go. So the question is, is – where does that fit? And it's not an easy answer. There, there, yeah. There's so many varying opinions on what's going to happen in that market. Um, likewise, the problem for us, and probably will be the problem for research and development at a company like Motul, is that there is, um, there's no like universal thing when it comes to electric cars. There's not a lot of universal stuff when it comes to gas engines either or gas cars, but... You know, Tesla's got their own charging stations. Uh, some of the other companies, they share charging. But if you charge a Tesla on a regular charger, it takes forever. But if you go to a Tesla station, you have it charged in 45 minutes. So if they all wind up going to very proprietary uh, infrastructure, it's yeah. going to be very hard to 
come up with batteries and stuff like that. It's I've, 20 years. It's 20 years all in to figure out where it's going to be. There's just no doubt because there's just no way. I think the market share is going to get bigger every year for electric cars. Yep. I think it's going to be – it's already here in Rochester, and we don't even have uh, a big electric car presence in terms of being able to purchase electric cars here. No. But um, you, you're seeing more and more of them. Uh, going so, to Albany and every mall has got yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to creep up definitely. Um, but I agree. I still think we're, you know, 20 years away from it being the, you know, the, the whole yeah. industry. Switched. Listen, and there's so many factors in that, you know, the cost of oil. And I mean, there's just the po- question is, is when geopolitical is, is going to come out one day with a, the Apple car, you know, right. Hey, I, I don't well, know. To Let, your point before about how you acquire the raw materials to build electric cars mostly the batteries right. is, is not trivial um, right it's you know mining of metals in, in a lot of cases and that has a lot of effects on the environment mm-hmm. right uh, beyond what of course we, uh, we hear about every day your carbon footprint right. isn't nil right if you're driving an electric car right there's still you still leaving a footprint it's right. a different footprint maybe a smaller footprint but it is still a footprint right and, and, you know, what the manufacturers have done with, the, you know, the building of the combustion engine over the years, they seem to get more power um, with, with less or better gas mileage. Yep. Um, they're doing that a lot with turbocharging uh, right. and things. Yeah. That, uh, but they have the capabilities to do that, which is another strong point of, of Motul because those engines run hotter. Here's what I love. better oil uh, and so forth. So and nobody, uh, it doesn't get talked about enough, and I'm surprised that the manufacturer doesn't put more marketing into this or, or mar- more uh, uh, market. Yeah, I said that right. Um, I have an Audi Q7. Mm-hmm. I had the previous Audi Q7 that had a 3-liter turbo diesel in it, and it did great, had great gas mileage. I have the new 2018 Q7. And that car has a two-liter four-cylinder turbo in it. Now, if you would have told me six years ago I'd be driving a Q7, that size vehicle, third-row seat SUV, with a four-cylinder turbo in it, I'd laugh at you and go, I'll never drive that. (laughs) (laughs) I drove it before I bought it to see what the power was. I didn't expect much, to be honest. In fact, I expected it to solidify my stand that I was going to go with the three liter supercharged six cylinder. I drove and I said, I don't need the three liter supercharged six cylinder. This thing did it. So what, what made that car powerful enough with a four cylinder turbo? Well, the engine only can do so much and the turbo can only do so much, but where they're getting, where they're all getting smart now is they're saying, you know what? The thing that protects you in the car is not the, the fender or the hood it's the it's the cage right so right. they use the cage is all hardened steel that they don't cheap out on in fact they've gone all in on make giving you the best hardened steel that they can to surround y- you and keep you safe yep. but now the body panels are aluminum mm-hmm. some plastic it's cutting the weight down if you took a hood off of my 2013 Q7, you need two people to pick it up. The hood on my current Q7, I could lift up with one hand. So the weight is so diminished on the new ones without sacrificing safety and giving you much better gas mileage with a much smaller engine. And I think that that's a, I think that's a great, that's a great start right there. Yeah. Um, and it's there's there's more to be done, right? right? It's this is not the end. So I so I think that will delay or at least I don't want to say minimize, right? The the adoption of electric over time. It, it's definitely going to happen, like we discussed, yeah. no yeah. question. But yeah. there's more to be done in the in the combustion engine for sure. In uh, in the manufacturers prove it every year when they in, in part of the reason they do it is again to meet meet right. those EPA. Look, if uh, you're getting 40 miles per gallon right. on a gas engine, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Yes. So you can feel pretty good about yourself if you're driving a car that's getting that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and a lot of cars now are getting that just with a regular four-cylinder turbo in it. Right, 
right. I, you know, it's uh, you know, I have a, a Dodge Ram of uh, to tow my race car. I need I need a truck. Yeah. And uh, my older one had a 4.7 liter in it that I got maybe 11 miles to the gallon, and the one I have now is I'm getting 23. So yeah. <laughs> living on the edge, Gary. And I, I've got <laughs> you go crazy, another man. Another liter of power. And, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so, so uh, look, the, the so carbon. They, they know how to do it. The manufacturers yeah. know how yeah. to do it. You know, I, I'm not a lobbyist in the in you know understand how the the politics of of big oil work but clearly some of that going on uh, as well and uh, you know but they have the technology and the wherewithal well of course that's the other element of it we won't even get into but the politics of it are that might keep gasoline engines around a long time right (laughs) (laughs) hey listen it's just important to get gary to france okay we talked about that yesterday (laughs) and we said you know so where are they located and it's got this great story about where it was and then we said oh it's france i said oh it's awesome you know you you live here but you you know your company's in france how have you been there he goes none i go what's going on i go who do i got to talk to so i'm going to put a call into the uh president and ceo isn't michelin french yes right yes correct michelin is a french company it's italian michelin french yeah yeah so you didn't know that uh, continental i think is german was German, but they got bought by General. Well, yeah, and they point. bought up Hoosier, I think, in the U.S. Here, we have yeah. went down a serious rabbit hole. Of, the, well, we always do. How are I'm Aaron? Are, I you, may not even know where we're at. I'm not sure. Continental. <laughs> We've completely lost ourselves. German, but yeah. we went from oil to France to now. <laughs> there, uh, what did I read the other day? I think Continental's number four in the world in, in tires. I did not realize that. Yeah, I didn't. I know Michelin's one now, and I forgot who two and three were. But when I saw Continental at four, I was like, "Oh, interesting." I I, didn't I, re- know that. I remember my my, you know, my one tire story that I just it's still to this day I can never figure out how this ever was able to be a thing. But back in the eighties, BMWs had a, a metric tire size that only Michelin made a tire for. Mm-hmm. And when that car got old enough, and I think the tire company said, well, we don't have enough demand for this. We're going to stop making it. People would come in to get a tire replaced. They couldn't anymore. They'd have to buy all new rims and all new tires because there was no tire that would fit on the rim. And, boy, I'll tell you what. Being on that end of the phone call when you have to tell someone they they got to flatten their tire and they it's going to be $2,000 for rims and tires to replace it. Or we can find the one last used right. metric tire that's sitting in California somewhere in a junkyard, but they're charging us 500 bucks for it. Wow. Um, that was like, that just was mind blowing to me, that, yeah. that whole thing. Uh, you know what, really, it really doesn't surprise you. Things like this happen all the time. Oh, just, yeah. Just watch the news and you're like, what? Yeah. yeah. Common sense. But. Nah, we don't need any of that. It's not good. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so to your point, Jay, about Motul in France, uh, you know, Motul was actually started uh, by the Rockefellers in New York. Um, so if you look back in history in the, the about 1853, roughly, uh, a, a little company called Swan and Finch um, was actually how Motul's uh, got its start. Oh. Um, at some point, there what was year a, was that? Eighteen fifty-three. Okay. Right. Um, so it's pretty. You know, folks don't know that Motul has been around for that long. It's a long time. But uh, and I so, will bet back then, it, the, uh, Motul wasn't even for cars. Probably it was primarily for like electricity or uh, or to not electricity, but to like light lanterns and stuff like they that. They did some industrial stuff, some hydro stuff uh, in, in the beginning Turbines, for sure. Uh, right, that kind of thing. Um, but then quickly, and then Thomas Edison had to come and yeah. change everything. <laughs> but at some point, there was a large uh, importer of Motul in France, and the Rockefellers decided to get out of the business. Um, so they sold the rights and the patents and everything to this fellow, and he uh, he started Motul France, and and that's where Motul's been R and D and manufactured uh, ever since. We have distribution in in Chicago in the U.S., so we can pretty much get oil to our distribution partners in two to three days uh you know either either coast but they still but haven't we were, brought you to france have they no no but because that's <laughs> but what i'm most concerned them, about but they sent <laughs> them to california right okay so well listen hey listen <laughs> if you watch the news i'm not really a fan of california in the past few days yeah you don't go over there and all of a sudden you're shaking right. yeah no i so i think the other way we'll have a meeting in france but no it's not happening so i gotta call somebody <laughs> Yeah, we we can get you to the right people for sure. Um, yeah, I just I just hope that when I'm done, like you know, 
you know, just slamming this guy with calls. Like, yeah. you're going to be like, oh, I lost my job. Thanks a lot, Derek Jay. <laughs> no, I'll make sure you still get your job. I might even get you a better job. <laughs> I ranch on weekends, so maybe Mark needs some help We do need shop. extra help Actually, in the shop. Actually, <laughs> we'll talk about this after the podcast. <laughs> I but so, uh, yeah, so we were the first to market. I mean, you know, a lot of people argue that uh, others were first to market with uh, with a synthetic, but uh, we were the first in the world. There was a, another company that beat us in the U.S., of course, but uh, and then first to build an ester-based product for racing, uh, first to launch hybrid product uh, a couple years ago. So a, a lot of firsts along the way for Motul, um, you know, since the very beginning. Um, but, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, we're, we're – Larger in the Europe than we are in the U.S., um, so that's okay. part of the reason why I joined uh, last year. That we've staffed up with uh, s- the sales team and so forth. So you could balance um, that out a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a small team before, so we, we've uh, it's en- a it's a company that some. from their marketing material to their products is very European, has a very European feel. It does. It yeah. does. And uh, you know, even in our our catalogs for swag you'll see yes <laughs> yeah. well speaking of swag <laughs> it's our european sizes so yeah, if speak, you order speak. a uh, large like i did uh, which i normally take and got it i couldn't get one arm in it so. yeah oh, good <laughs> well i'll have to <laughs> so which is weird t- i've been to europe they're not really that thin no, over no, there no. i mean you know listen i don't know I'm, Go up I, one size. I'm looking at the size and i'm like wow i mean you know there's people over there that have eaten one too many baguettes yeah. as well or well, yeah. uh yeah, I think so. I mean, did you ever see those Germans over there? They're yeah. not really, right? Well, here's the difference, okay? In Europe, people walk a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah. Uh, and we don't walk as much over here. But, in the red one. We don't um, walk at all. So uh, Aaron's got to gotta leave us I silently. Do. I'll sign off now. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, Aaron. Goodbye, Aaron. Um, Thank you. Well, we're wrapping That's the first time up. that ever happened. Yeah. She, she well. just got mad and left like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's um, laughing. She didn't get mad. So, you know, the, the nuts and bolts, uh, excuse the pun, of this really is basically you're going to go out there. You're going to look at different uh, oil change options for your car. You, you're going to buy a new car, and they're going to tell you it's 10,000 miles before you get a, a, your first oil change. Do yourself a favor. Set your clock for every seven to 7,500 miles and just get your oil change done. Absolutely. Yeah. Get your oil change done with a full synthetic oil like the 100% synthetic Motul. You can find it at Universal Imports. We'll be happy to oblige you if you want to come in for an oil change. But if you're not in the Rochester area or, or wherever you get your oil changes, just ask. Uh, know what you're paying for your oil change and know what you're getting for that price. So if, if you are budget conscious and you really want to get a – less expensive oil change, that's fine. Just make sure you know what you're getting for that price. Yeah, and, you know, make sure you, you ask. Be informed. Be informed yeah. about those manufacturer specs because, you know, they do test and, and approve oils for those specs, and if the, the oil doesn't meet it, then, uh, you know, you can do harm to the car Yep. Uh, at the end of the day. And, right. And that's, uh, you know, that's why those uh, other oils don't have approvals. Uh, it's not because they weren't tested. They, they did not well, pass. We should also talk so. just for a minute, uh, and uh, I won't, we won't get in too deep with this, but also with gasoline, um, you know, if you have a higher performance uh, engine car, which most European cars are and a lot of the – uh, Asian cars, you know, the Acuras, uh, um, the Lexus, Infinities, um, even some of the Hondas, Toyotas, Nissans uh, of the world. These are smaller engines. There's there's more packed into them. They, are, they do run a little bit hotter than other engines. Put a good gasoline in the car. Uh, put a uh, – uh, a lot of people just look at what the price on the pump is. Well, yes, that – you are going to pay more for a premium gas, for a higher octane gas, but you also potentially are getting better gas mileage with that gas. You are also doing your engine a service by putting that gas in the car. Um, and a real problem now is that a lot of these engines are direct injection engines. And what that really means quickly is that instead of the fuel injectors um, – shooting into the top of the engine and and cleaning off the valves every time uh, gas is delivered to the engine, you don't have that anymore. It's directly injected into the cylinders. And so therefore, 
not getting the wash down of the valves creates carbon buildup over time. So even though direct injection is the more efficient way to deliver fuel to the engine now, and the engineers have figured that out, the downside to it is you have the a greater potential for carbon buildup in your engine. So better gas is going to potentially minimize carbon buildup. Also, if you have the right people working on your car, they will occasionally recommend or look for you. And there's ways we can see with borescopes and all kinds of things. If you have carbon buildup yeah. and you want to get that carbon cleaned off before it winds up being an engine. I, I, I always say it's like with anything you're going to pay. Okay. You're going to absolutely pay somewhere. You might as well pay now and, and have the better right. product and, uh, you know, maybe it's going to save you a lot of maintenance somewhere down the road. You know, who knows? I mean, that's always the, you know, the biggest thing. And any car, doesn't matter whether it's an import car, the cost of maintenance is is a lot. It is. And, and the gasoline is big, uh, it, to Mark's point. Uh, again, owner's manual, will re, you know, a lot of these cars will require a 93. Um, Does and, Motul and offer a product for, uh, like, carbon cleaning? We do have an additive line, uh, and we do actually um, are going to launch a new um, upgrade to it with new products oh, uh, good. in about another month. Yeah, so, and, yeah. I, and I'll tell you, so I do. mean, th- there yeah. are a lot of additives that over the years have proven to be snake oil, but there's, but now with carbon buildup, with those kinds of things, those are real things. They really happen. They're not just things that we make up. Uh, they're real things. There are real additives that can help clean that stuff before it builds up yeah. because once it builds up, you really don't have a choice other than to physically go in there and either walnut blast yep. or even take a cylinder head off and get a valve job done i mean it, it we've seen it yep. time and time again um it so it's 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 a real thing in fact if you come to universal imports in our waiting room we have an engine that we uh set up as a um as a what do you call it like a just a way for you to be able to see how an engine functions. There's a crank on the front of it. We can turn it. We can show you how the pistons go up and down and how the valves go up and down and simulate what the engine looks like when it's running. Uh, and one crank is one revolution. So imagine that happening 5,000 times in, in one minute. And we can show you where, where carbon builds up and all of that kind of stuff. It's so much fun. It's such a great tool to show yeah. people what, what's going on in their engine. Um, so, you know, from the right gasoline you use to the right oil you use to just asking questions, what kind of oil do you use? What kind of filter do you use when we uh, get an oil change? Those are all very legit questions that a good service person will know the answer to and uh, and will make you feel better about what you're paying for for your oil change. Um, I would love to have Gary come back again because I'd like to talk a little bit more about his racing life. Absolutely. But we're, we're already at an hour, and I think that uh, it's time to wrap this one up. Um, and Gary has pretty much said he'd come anytime, right? Absolutely. So we're going to utilize uh, that. You know, I'm 10 miles away I'd, anytime. Uh, I en- thoroughly enjoyed this, and I appreciate you guys having me. He's 10 it's miles great. away, yep. and he's a race car driver, so he'll be here in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't break any laws, Gary. <laughs> Never. Um, right so usually Aaron would re- give us a couple news stories, but she had to, she had to uh, head out of here. She has a couple customers she's working with. Um, we'll be back on with another podcast 20 something again 20 something absolutely Uh, let's just not even because i two weeks from now i actually thought about it like i counted them and i had the right answer and i've forgotten it now so i'm like with you i'm like 20 something i'm just i'm just very happy our goal was for the first year our goal was to do uh two podcasts a month Mm -hmm. and i know we're accomplishing that goal so i know we're at least at 20 something <laughs> and we're about a month and a half away from our uh inaugural podcast that we did um yeah we're gonna have to do our first anniversary podcast i think it should be a it, special event yeah um i think we should do it actually from barbados oh I'll, I'll meet you there okay okay so that's where we're going for our for our one year anniversary awesome but thank you mark we I have appreciate that we have over 2,000 listeners now that download every every time we have a podcast so um Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Again, visit universalimports.com for any of your car needs. Uh, Everything you need to know about Universal Imports is on there, all the way down to a backstory of each one of our staff members. Um, And uh, we've been in business for 35 years, and we're servicing the Rochester community uh, with all their car needs, from selling them 
whatever car they're looking for uh, to our prestigious car care club that you can find on our website and we have uh, a full service department full body shop so anything you need universalimports.com market universal imports uh, ekane at universalimports.com if you have any questions for us if you have any questions for gary you can email us and we'll make sure we get them to him and uh, then we'll respond back to you and keep an eye out on facebook because there's going to be some motul swag Coming your way here in the next week, some free oil changes we're going to be giving out, yep. some Motul hats, and I'll tell you, the Motul stuff has a really cool look to it. Great. Uh, I mean, it's listen, really good. Th- this is swag at the next level as right. far as I'm concerned. So if they're speaking clothes, about that, thank you for that catalog, if, yeah, Gary. If the Motul nice clothes is any indication of how good the oil is, <laughs> you're in good hands yeah. with Motul Absolutely. for sure. Um, anyway, Gary, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. I and, appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yep, and we'll make sure we get you a copy of the podcast. But for all you listeners out there, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts can be found basically is where we'll be at the Grease and Glamour Podcast. So look forward to seeing you. Until next time, I'm Mark. And I'm Jay. See you. Thank you, Gary.